0: Today on Feeding Toddlers Made Easy, I have such an exciting guest to have with you today. She is somebody who I follow nonstop on Instagram and chat with her all the time because I just think she's fantastic. It's Colleen Christensen. She's at No Food Rules on Instagram. You definitely have to follow her. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist and food freedom expert who believes that eating should be easy and enjoyable, not cause guilt, stress, or anxiety, which if you know me, you've been following me for a while, that's kind of the same thing that I feel about how we should be feeding our kids. So her approach totally is in line with mine. And I'm excited to talk with her more about the adult side of things. And as a mom, what eating can look like when it can be easy and enjoyable. So Colleen has helped thousands of women break up with dieting and make peace with their bodies. And she teaches these methods inside of her non-diet membership community called the Society, which is such a cute play on words because it's <laughs> E-A-T, the Society E-T. <laughs> and she also has her blog and her YouTube. So I'll link all that up in the show notes below. And now I will welcome her
1: here. Colleen, thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you. It is always a pleasure to talk to you in any capacity. And I'm excited to chat about intuitive eating and honestly how it ties into the mom and toddler world because I I feel like we're so complimentary in those ways because like, it does tie together and we can talk about that, but feeding your toddlers, I mean, is it ties back to how you feed yourself because they learn from that, which we'll get into again, but it's it's just so yeah, nice cohesion.
0: Absolutely. So Colleen, what she teaches is like the foundation. And I think it's so important for women to understand their own relationship with food and their body to be able to really carry that over into your toddler. So Colleen, why don't you start off by telling us just what is intuitive eating?
1: Yes. So intuitive eating, a lot of people listening to this may have heard the term. I mean, it's been plastered over social media for the past couple of years now, which is fabulous. But along with that comes a lot of miscommunication, misinterpretation of what it is. So intuitive eating, first of all, is not a new concept. The book was first written, I believe it was in 1995. So something that's been around for a while is just really gaining popularity. But really what it is, is it's a non-diet approach to nutrition and food. And it really allows you to connect to your body and start to learn to listen to your body. That phrase that's, again, plastered all over social media, listen to your body. But the thing is that intuitive eating is not just listening to our body. It's not just listening to our cravings. It is, I want you guys to picture a Venn diagram right now. I'm holding my hands up. I'm on video with Casey, but picture a Venn diagram. So I have two circles right now. And one circle is your internal cravings, your desires, your wants, your hunger and fullness cues, right? That's the body side of things. And then the other circle is this external knowledge. So our health information, our nutrition knowledge that we have intuitive eating and gentle nutrition is really the middle of that Venn diagram. So where those circles overlap, that's really what it is. It's honoring both our cravings, desires, what we want, what our body's telling us but also kind of that brain side of things, of the knowledge that we hold there. Because when we say listen to our bodies, it also includes our brain, right? I mean, that's part of our body. So that's kind of what intuitive eating is in a nutshell. But really the concept, I mean, think about back to, and this is where everything kind of ties together. And this whole podcast is going to become full circle. Is that we're all born as intuitive eaters. We are all, I mean, think about it. When babies are hungry, they cry or they fuss. And when they are full, they, you know, turn their cheek away. They're done eating. They have those cues, right? And the way that we kind of lose our ability to eat intuitively is as we go through life, our brain starts to get all this crazy diet culture information. So that's where things get so warped. And that Venn diagram really kind of starts to get out of whack in that. Internal side of things just kind of gets further and further and further away. And we're relying so much on the knowledge, but it's very, very skewed by diet culture knowledge. So, really, it's honestly about getting back to I like to use the phrase owning your food choices. Like, I'm making this decision myself based on my own unique cravings, desires, what I need to incorporate for my health and wellness. And that's going to look different for everyone. So, that's kind of in a nutshell. The gist of intuitive eating.
0: Well, so much important information there that's really helpful to understand it. And I think what I really like is that you go beyond the listening to your body piece because I think a lot of times that's just the message that we hear. And even it's just hard in social media to really get into Mm -hmm. the deeper side of things. And even I talk about letting your toddlers listen to their body, but that doesn't mean, like you said, that doesn't mean just thinking like, well, if my body is thinking about chocolate 24-7, like I just eat chocolate 24-7, like there's more that goes into it than just that. So what I see come up a lot of times is parents will ask me like, well, my kid wants snacks. I should give it to them because they're listening to their body. But what you're saying is that's not necessarily the whole part of it of just thinking mm-hmm. what are my cravings and then stopping there that's just one piece that we're including into this whole framework
1: yes absolutely i have a legit example i i was looking at this post yesterday someone posted in our private facebook group and she was saying how she we use a tool called the hunger scale which allows you to get in touch with how hungry you are how full you are and they have it on their kitchen and her kid had said okay mom i want a snack and she kind of just started to ask them questions and said, okay, how hungry are you feeling? And he was familiar with the hunger scale. Cause we model how to eat. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, I actually, I'm really not that hungry. And he identified that, oh, I was just kind of looking for something to fill my time. That is how we want to kind of think about things. It's not just this. Okay. I see the cinnamon toast crunch on the top of my fridge. I, I literally have cinnamon toast crunch <laughs> on the top of my fridge. It's <laughs> not a random example. <laughs> okay, I see that. I want that. Sometimes maybe it is that easy. You really are craving that, but it's about thinking more through it and asking yourself, okay, is it this that I want? Am I craving just for some sort of comfort? Am I craving, you know, something sweet in general? It's so much more than just that initial like gut reaction.
0: Yeah. And so another piece that you touched on that I want to talk about a little bit more is that idea that we've been getting these messages for such a long time about food and our body and how that becomes kind of what we think is right. So it's like that brain piece is not really correct. Mm -hmm. So what happens there?
1: Yes. So this really gets into kind of like just how our brains function and really kind of like the psychological side of things. And we have throughout our childhood, many of us. And throughout our adulthood, we've been told, you know, these diets or, you know, these pieces of nutrition information, and a lot of it is wrong or harmful, or we don't see the full picture or it doesn't apply to us. I mean, the list goes on and on. But really what happens is we then start to just focus on those sorts of things and we start to essentially rewire our brains to think about food a certain way. We're taught to think that XYZ food is bad, you know, sugar is bad, carbs are bad, all of those things. And that does so much more than just label that food it changes how you eat that food too. So for instance, the labeling foods good or bad, it's actually going to increase your brain's motivation and reward response for that food and gonna make you want to eat it in larger quantities when you do eat it, probably with a lot of guilt and eat it in secret, eat it very fast. You're not gonna be able to listen to your hunger and fullness cues that way. So it's very, very deeply ingrained how our relationship with food has changed by the media and in my membership, we have an entire stage on rewire your brain because it really is that I use this analogy a lot of, I want you to pretend that you're walking on a path in the woods, right? You've walked this path a million times before it is very clear and the old path. I mean, you haven't walked it in so long. You haven't been listening to it. It is filled with sticks and brush and leaves and all these things. It's going to take you conscious effort to start going down that path, pushing away the leaves, starting to explore this new path. And that's essentially how we go about rewiring our brain. We start to consciously have these different thoughts. And then at the same time that we are consciously making those thoughts, brush and leaves and all those things are falling on the old path. So it's kind of like we do a lot of this upfront work, a lot of this, okay, what am I thinking about food? Mantras, affirmations make it super easy. But then our brain just starts taking that automatically. And it's kind of like, okay, that path, the other path, the diet culture path isn't as clear. So I don't automatically have those thoughts. So that's kind of how we go about combating that after our brains have kind of been conditioned to think about food a certain way.
0: Yeah. So tell me, moms who come to you, to the society, to your membership, where are they? What do they notice? What are they unhappy with
1: to come to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of the times, I mean, there's so many different reasons, but a lot of times it could be that they are not feeling good. They're not, you know, feeding their body in a way that feels good to them. It could be that they are not able to enjoy life with their family because they are, you know, saying, oh, you know, I can't have the hot dog bun. I can't have the ice cream cone. There's a lot of different reasons. It could be a lot of times too that. So I guess some specific examples could be a, I take my kids out for ice cream and I can't allow myself to eat it. It could be in the afternoon. Oh my gosh, it's 2 p.m. already. I haven't eaten anything during the day and I inhale a box of Cheez-Its. And the other, I would say kind of third most common kind of scenario is, okay, I put the kids down for bed and I just go at the Ben and Jerry's. Like I just use food for comfort. I think that those are kind of the three main things there.
0: Yeah, so I wanna talk about those a little bit because just as a mom myself, You're not a mom yet, but Mm -hmm. you work with lots of moms. But as a mom myself, I would say that I notice that I always put the kids needs before Mm -hmm. my own. And even though I'm somebody who wants to nourish my body, wants to have energy, wants to eat healthy, it can be really hard as a mom to do that. And it's like by the time I put in the effort to I was just noticing this yesterday. We came home from a little weekend trip and it was great, but I'm getting everything unpacked. I'm trying to get the kids lunch. And by the time I've plated their food, I'm like, I just don't even know what to do with myself right now. Mm -hmm. I don't even want to eat because I'm tired. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So really there's two kind of things to combat there. So there is the biological kind of side of things, and there's also the emotional side of things. So it's very, very important to make sure that you're, I kind of do do this in a stepwise way. First, we want to make sure that your biological needs are being met. So that, that means that you're giving your body consistent, adequate energy during the day. Either you are really working to heal dieting, not restricting food, and also making sure that you are again, making time for it, making sure that you get that energy, because that's really important to make sure that your biological needs are, but kind of like, I always like to do that as a step before the emotional, because that's not gonna make you feel good if you're not fueling your body in a way. And that's also going to likely lead you to overeating because at that point. Another analogy for you, if you have to swim from one end of the long pool to another end of a long pool and totally underwater, right? When you come up for air, you're going to take a big breath. Same thing happens with food. If we go too long without eating, we're going to take a huge inhale of food. And that probably doesn't make you feel good. Probably is going to put you in a food coma. And then again, probably not going to be able to handle those kids very well, right? So it's really important to first make sure that we have that biological need met. And then we have to also think about the emotional side of things. Are you taking care of yourself? And that can kind of also tie into the biological side of things, making sure that you are feeling your best, that you are taking care, not putting yourself last all the time, right? In order to take care of others, you have to take care of yourself. So that kind of ties in there, but then also what else are we using food for? This is very common, especially, like I said, once you put the kids down, are you, oh, I just need a release. I just need a break. So then we turn to food and food should be enjoyable. I'm not saying that emotional eating is actually a spectrum. There's a very normal end. And then we get to kind of more like the sedation distraction side of things. But really, making sure that we don't let ourselves get to the point where we just feel like, oh, I just need this release, right? So it's incorporating some sorts of self care, giving yourself some space. I have one uh, member in my program that talks a lot about eating at night and how she was able to overcome that. And really, what I suggest is to really create yourself a toolbox. So if you're feeling exhausted, you're feeling like, oh, I just, I just need a release, I need a break. It's really important to ask yourself what you're actually needing. So if it's a release, you know, what could you do for some people that might be going for a walk that might be physically, you know, releasing for some people that might be an adult coloring book, just to get your mind off of it, get some creative juices flowing a warm cup of tea to just kind of get that comfort. That is my favorite thing for when I need that just comfort. So it's dual. And I think really anyone listening, the question I would have you ask yourself is, and it could be two, but is there one that is really outweighing the biological side of things or the emotional side of things? And if it's both, I recommend starting with the biological and then working on the kind of emotional side of things, because it's very hard to come at something from two angles, start with one, then head to the other.
0: Yeah. I think another thing that really can be hard for moms is that pressure that they feel after they have a baby to get back oh. to their pre baby weight. Mm-hmm. And that can weigh on you so much of, and I, I can see how both the way you're describing the physical and the emotional, how those both would be really intertwined in that of that feeling of I need to deprive myself so that I can lose this weight, but then also just all the emotions that go behind that not being at peace with your body.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, that is absolutely huge as well as making sure that we for me, in order to make peace with food, you have to make peace with what you put that food into. Right. And I always, I always suggest focusing on body appreciation and body respect, really body neutrality versus body positivity, rah, 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 right. Because that's just not realistic 24 seven. I mean, most of the time we're not going to wake up and be like, okay, look in the mirror. And I like, I see you, right. It's just not realistic, but we can always shift to a sense of respect and appreciation. And the thing with intuitive eating is that when you do that, you're able to fuel your body in a way that feels good and you are doing it and you're trusting your body by doing that, your body is going to fall where it feels best. So it is going to naturally regulate its energy needs that may or may not be to what society shows us. Right. But it's going to be what makes you feel best, both mentally and physically. It allows you to function best. It's going to allow you to, you know, care for your kids best because your body's fed, your body's nourished. It has the energy to do that. And it's just really important. I think, I think that's one of the biggest things is to shift from feeling like there's so much friction between hating your body and loving your body. Try to focus on somewhere in between. That's what I really focus on is this kind of sense of body neutrality.
0: Yeah. I've noticed personally that like focusing on how my body feels has Mm -hmm. been such a big shift for me versus how it looks. And Mm -hmm. I truly like have found really great freedom in that because, you know, after I had my kids, I was at first like, oh, when am I going to look like I did before? Like I've looked the same way since I was, I don't know, 18 until I had kids. And that's how I look. So I think women, we have really been told that we're supposed to look a certain way. And that's Mm -hmm. so hard to work against. And we haven't gotten the message of like bodies can change and that's okay. And like what you're saying, you don't have to love the way your body looks. You don't have to have that perfect body to be happy with your body or
1: content with your body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think we really need to normalize. And that's one of the things I love about having a community to to talk about these things with, because one thing, don't let thoughts swirl around in your head because you will go crazy. I do this in different you know, scenarios in life where I'll have an entire conversation with someone in my head, or I'll play out an entire scenario. I'm like, Colleen, that is not even true. <laughs> That's the same thing we do with ourselves and our body, right? Like we down talk ourselves, we rip ourselves apart. These things that aren't even true so that's one thing, make sure that you have a community, but then also normalizing that bodies do change like throughout life. And they should, right. I have not had kids and I've noticed my body weight is just kind of shifting a little bit as I age. Like I'm carrying it in different places. I don't know what my body's going to be like. And sometimes I will envision my body, you know, when I have kids and after that, and I I don't know what that's going to look like. Right. I, I don't know what that's going to be because it's so normal for our bodies to, to change. I like to shift that and be like, okay, this is a sign of life. This means I've lived. This means I've experienced something, whether it's just days in life, whether it's childbirth. And I think that can really help with kind of shifting to that, that respect and appreciation.
0: Absolutely. I sometimes when I get in a bad mindset, I'll ask myself, Would I rather have my cute belly button that I had before I had kids or would I rather have my kids? And Mm -hmm. then I'm like, oh, how silly am I being that I'm like – Worried about my belly button.
1: Yes. And I, one thing that I will also do too, and that I recommend is asking yourself, kind of like on those bad body image days, ask yourself, okay, how am I feeling in my body? Do I feel like I'm listening to my hunger and fullness cues? Do I feel like I am fueling my body appropriately? And especially on those bad body image days for me, if I'm like, yeah, you know, I am listening to my body, I am fueling my body in a way that feels good, that's how I know, okay, Colleen, you're doing good, you're doing what your body needs. And if not, if maybe, you know, you're like, oh, I just feel so bloated today. Maybe, oh, I've been, you know, just every evening after the kids go down, you know, I've just been eating my emotions. Okay. Maybe then we focus on emotional eating. We want to make sure that we are getting that feedback from our bodies and asking ourselves those questions is a really great place to start.
0: Yeah. So tell me now, what would it look like someone decides I'm tired of dieting, I'm tired of not fueling myself well. I just need to treat myself better. I need to find a way to fix this. I've done every diet out there and I end back in the same place. Like what can intuitive eating really look like once you've gotten in the hang of it and it's like part of your way
1: of life? Mhm So, I'm literally in my head, like reading posts that explain this exact thing. So I think one of the biggest ones that I hear a lot is I took my kids out for ice cream and I got myself a nice cone, you know, no guilt, no anxiety. And I stopped when I was satisfied. I noticed like I was getting full, so I stopped, right? Whether you you know bring it home, put it in the freezer, whatever you listen to your body, you're able to enjoy that experience and do it in a way that's comfortable, both mentally and physically. It could look like you have more energy to play with your kids in the afternoon, right? You don't snap at them as much because guys, hanger is real. It could look like that. It could look like when you put your kids down, you actually have time to relax and you're not stressing over, you know, how you feel before you eat the food, after you eat the food, it's going to bed, feeling comfortable so many, so many different things. And I really think for me, I always recommend thinking about why do you want to become an intuitive eater, right? What is your why? And for me, I painted this picture for myself of me, my husband and our future kids sitting at the breakfast table, pancakes, maple syrup, all the things, and I'm enjoying it. I'm walking away satisfied, fueled, right? Not only do I feel good in that, but I'm modeling that for my kids so that as they go through life, they don't have to go through this work of relearning intuitive eating. They just stay an intuitive eater. Right. So for me, that's, I think one huge benefit is doing the work for yourself. So yes, you can feel better, but also so that your kids don't have to, to do this for themselves. Cause it's not easy. I'm not going to lie, but it's so worth it.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that it just breaks my heart when I think about the statistics you hear about the five-year-olds who are already dieting, little kids who are already thinking about this stuff. And it's like, no, I don't Mm -hmm. want that for them. I don't want them to go through this. I mean, I've worked on my own journey with intuitive eating and I can say I've never been happier with food and feel so free to eat what Mm -hmm. I want. Like, As a dietitian, obviously I care about nutrition and that's what brought me into this field. But I cared way too much about nutrition when I first came into this field. And I thought like it had to be this rigid thing. You had to be strict with it. Something bad was going to happen if I didn't eat super healthy. And what I've learned over time and through practicing intuitive eating is that it doesn't have to be such a big deal. Like you Mm -hmm. can just eat food and enjoy it. And I buy fruits and vegetables all the time because I love them and it makes us feel good. But I don't stress about it the way I used to stress if like, oh, I didn't eat any vegetables today. I'm terrible. I'm not healthy. Like, I don't have any of those thoughts anymore. Mm -hmm. And I love that.
1: Yes. I love that so much. And if anyone listening is like, yeah, but like, I want to be healthy. I think that just like nailed it there. It's like, yes, we care about health. And if there's, I call what the social media way of intuitive eating, where there's pictures of donuts and pizza everywhere that's not the whole picture, right? We want to, I care about health, right? We have a whole stage on gentle nutrition because it's it's important to tie nutrition back in. Yes, it does take the back burner as you allow yourself to make peace with food, but in order to feel our best, in order to take care of our bodies, it is important to take that nutrition back in, but kind of going full circle back to that Venn diagram, it's just a piece, right? And those circles can ebb and flow. Some days it might be like, oh, you know, I'm going to lean more on what I know my body needs. And some other days when you're on vacation or something like that, you're going to care more about the cravings, the desires, the experience. One quote from the intuitive eating book that I love is in terms of taste, consider nutrition in terms of nutrition, consider taste. So kind of asking yourself, like, what is the kind of goal of this meal or this eating experience? If I'm going out for ice cream, I'm not going to necessarily implement gent nutrition there, right? But if I'm having a busy Tuesday, like I am today, I'm probably going to think more of, okay, what's going to give my body fuel? Then, okay, how can I make it taste, you know, maybe I'll add some sauces, some spices it's ebbing and flowing. It's not, not one static thing or the other. And it allows you to live and to experience life in a way that feels good, both mentally and physically. Oh my
0: gosh. Yes. And I think something that I've actually learned this from my therapist, but (laughs) just on the topic of balance, she reminded me that balance doesn't mean that every day you have that perfect day where you have, you know, great meals and it's good with nutrition and also tastes really good. And Maybe you have a little treat and you ate just the right amount of food and everything was great. Like balance doesn't mean every day is going to be that perfect balance. Balance means that ebb and flow. Like you said, that's normal. That's part of life. And we can't beat ourselves up over the times where it doesn't look perfect. It's just kind of being mindful and thinking about how did that make me feel reflecting on it and just always getting a little bit better as you go along.
1: Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. (laughs)
0: Okay, Colleen, is there anything else you would like to share before we say goodbye?
1: I don't think so. I think especially for the moms out there, it is just, it's so important to model it for ourselves. And we always put ourselves, I say we, but you know, moms tend to put themselves on the back burner and just kind of take care of everyone else's needs. But just remembering that in order to, to really help your kids to model it, it is so important. I mean, I think back to, you know, all the messages that I received growing up and that definitely did impact my relationship with food. So I guess just knowing that you're worth it, like you deserve to take this time and to, you know, allow yourself to also be a priority and just kind of allowing yourself to, to lean into that.
0: Yeah. And you can always change if you feel yes. badly, like noticing, Oh my gosh, what have I done in the past? Or I've been dieting and my kid has been noticing this. Like it's not set in stone. You mm-hmm. haven't ruined them or yourself for life. Like you can always change. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Colleen. This yes. was fantastically helpful. Y'all can find Colleen at no.food.rules on Instagram. I'll link it in the show notes as well as her website, colleenchristiansen.com. I'll link that up as well as the info on the society. I'm not sure if you're accepting members right now. Yes, we are. Oh, okay. Excellent. So you guys can find info about that too if you're interested. And she has a podcast too. How could I forget? Colleen has a podcast as well. So I'll link that for you guys, too, so that you can just binge on all the intuitive eating goodness.
1: There we go. Yes. (laughs) All right. Bye, Colleen. Thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting with you.